morning. Good morning, Kylie. We have some announcements for feeding the homeless this Wednesday and every Wednesday. No Wednesdays off from here on out. The next women's Bible study is this Thursday, March 16th. Uh, it's, it's actually the 23rd because I don't have the books. I've ordered them. Oh, and then so you're starting the new ones? Yes. Okay. The next men's study is March 25th. It should be the 18th, but a lot of people are gone for spring break. So we moved it a week. So we're going to do them back to back the 25th and then again that first week of April. The next youth night is the 23rd. That's the night of our Bible study. That's oh, that's probably not We can one. combine it all. It's not like we're just going to hand books out and just chat for a sec. It could be fun. It could be a party. Okay. We'll see how that yeah. goes. I mean, it doesn't have to be. That was like a good party. There you go. You could do that. And last... If you want to know what's going on, sign up for your email updates. Send out an email once a week so you know. Or you can check out the calendar online at thechurchne.org. With that, let's pray. Dear Father, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for this time to come together to worship you, to learn more about you, um, to give you just another opportunity to speak into our lives, to speak to our hearts. And I ask you to do that here this morning. You would meet each one of us right where we're at. And you would speak to us, that you would lead us, that you would guide us, that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us, that you would comfort us, that you would um, be everything that we need you to be. I ask that you, your words be spoken here this morning. That you would lead us through this study. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen. So, we have a few verses that we'll start with. Um, you don't have to go to them. We're just going to quickly go over them. So, Exodus chapter 17, verse 13. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in the battle. Psalm 119, verse 20. I am always overwhelmed with a desire for your regulations. Isaiah 61 verse 10, I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. I am like a bridegroom in his wedding suit for, or a bride with her jewels. And then Mark 9.15 when the, crown, when the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. So all of those overwhelmed sound pretty good, but that's not the overwhelmed that I think of when I think of the word overwhelmed. When I think of the word overwhelmed, it looks something like this. So that's what we're going to talk about today, and maybe next week. God willing, we'll get into the book of Hebrews and start there. But today, we'll talk through 
what does the Bible say about overwhelmed? And while we read some verses, overwhelmed with awe, overwhelmed with a desire to um, learn more about God's regulations, his laws, his guidelines for our lives, overwhelmed at the sight of Jesus and wanting to go out and, and greet him, while all those overwhelmed sound good, um, there's an overwhelmed that doesn't sound so good. And the Bible has a lot to say about that type of overwhelmed. Overwhelmed with grief, overwhelmed with guilt, overwhelmed in many different ways that bring us down. So, where it really starts is in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. And then the Amplified Version, which is... They've added text to it to amplify the meaning. Um, I, do, I do like what it says here. Casting all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all, on him, meaning Jesus, for he cares about you with deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. I just like how that put that into context, how it um, amplifies what that verse is saying. We should cast all of our concerns, all of our anxieties, all of our worries on him. Jesus makes that clear in Matthew at the end of chapter 6. that We shouldn't worry. It's a sin to worry. So if it's a sin to worry, then what are we to do? Well, God's going to explain that to us here today throughout all of his word. So, overwhelmed, what do we do? How do we handle that? There's many different ways. There's lots of wrong ways to handle that. But the Bible explains some very practical ways that we can handle that. So, what do we do when we're overwhelmed? Well, you continue walking with God. And if you're not walking with God, that's the first things first. That you need to ask Jesus into your life. Ask him to lead you, to guide you. Confess that he is God. Receive him in your heart. That's the first thing. And then once you've done that, continue walking with him. So for that, we're going to go to Psalms, or Psalm 103, verse 1. Yeah, not plural, singular. And these are not going to be up on the screen, but I'm going to read them, read through them. So if you want to follow along in your Bibles, that would be good. So continue to walk with God when I'm feeling overwhelmed, when worry, anxiety, stress has has taken a hold of me or has attempted to um, get me off the path that God has me on, attempted to um, make me ineffective in the work that God's called me to do. Where can I go? I can go to Psalm 103. Starting here in verse 1. Let all the pray, let all I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death. And crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. 
the Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He reveals his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far away as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone, as though we had never been here. But the Lord, but the love of the Lord remains forever. With those who fear him, his salvation extends to the children's children. Of those who are faithful to his covenant, of those who obey his commands. The Lord has made the heavens his throne. From there he rules over everything. Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones, who carry out his plans. Listen for each of his commands. Yes, praise the Lord, you armies of angels, who serve him and do his will. Praise the Lord, everything he has created. Everything he has created everything in all his kingdom. Let all that I am praise the Lord. So when we go through these difficult times, these times of being overwhelmed, stressed, anxiety, what can we do? We can continue walking with the Lord. We can continue praising him. We can remind ourselves of all that he's done, that he's forgiven us for all of our sins, not just some, but all. That he wasn't, doesn't remain angry with us, that he doesn't punish us for all of our sins that he is a loving, merciful God, a loving, merciful God that sent his son to die on a cross to pay the penalty that we deserved but couldn't pay ourselves. That's the God we serve. So when we are overwhelmed, we have stress and anxiety that's building up fears and worries about tomorrow, what do we do? We can continue walking with God and we can praise him with all that we are. Our whole lives should be a praise to the Lord. We should be a light and a witness to him at all times. So next thing that we can do is we can spend time with other believers. When we're overwhelmed, when we're stressed, when we have lots going on in, in our lives, um, the enemy wants to distract us and, and isolate us and lead us away, make us think that we're the only ones that are going through this. Nobody else struggles with this. No one else would understand what you're going through. One, that's not true. There's many other people, many other peoples out there that struggle with the same thing you're struggling with. But the one who understands everything you're going through is Jesus himself. He understands because he's been there. He's lived the life here on earth. He's faced all the temptations that we've faced, all the concerns and worries that we have. He's already been through and he's been through them flawlessly without sin, without wavering. So he's our light and our 
our example to how we should live our lives. So, spending time with other believers. We'll go to Psalm 142, verses 1 through 7, which is the whole psalm. Just like 103, that was the whole psalm. Verse 1 through 22. So up above the little subheading, the theme of this psalm, this psalm was written by David. And this is a prayer when overwhelmed and desperate, when we feel conquered by our enemies, only God can keep us safe. And this was David's prayer when he was overwhelmed and desperate. So Psalm 142, I cry out to the Lord. I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaints before him and tell him my troubles. When I am overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. Wherever I go, my enemies have set traps for me. I look for someone to come and help me. But no one gives me a passing thought. No one will help me. No one cares a bit what happens to me. So David at this point is feeling alone, feeling like he's all alone. No one understands him. No one else would understand what he's going through. No one even cares what he's going through, right? And that's the enemy. We've been over this. In Ephesians chapter 6, the battle we face is not against flesh and blood, but a spiritual battle. And that that's what the enemy wants to do. The enemy wants us to think that we're all alone. No one cares about you. No one loves you. No one wants to spend time with you or, or even is remotely concerned with what you're going through. And that's what the enemy does. And that's what the enemy did to David here in this moment. But then we'll continue on. Then I pray to you, O Lord. I say, you are my place of refuge. You are all I really want in life. Hear my cry, for I am very low. Rescue me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison so I can thank you. The godly will crowd around me, for you are good to me. So even when we do feel all alone, God is always there with us. We are never truly alone. And if no one understands what we are going through, he understands exactly what we're going through. He knows all, right? And Jesus himself has been through it. Jesus has been through the temptations, the trials, the um, having everyone abandon you, um, being falsely accused of something. Jesus knows it all and has been through it all. And he can relate exactly to what we're going through. So even if no one else can, if that really is true, Jesus can. And we can always turn to him. But here at the end of the verse, the godly will crowd around me, for you are good to me. So David goes through this, this prayer, and he's being honest, and he's being real with God, that he's overwhelmed, and that he feels all alone. But then he prays to God. I, Pray to you, O Lord, and I say, you are my place of refuge. You are all I really want in life. So when he puts his perspective back on God, then he spends time in fellowship with other believers, right? And the godly will crowd around him. And we're told in many other places, and we've been over this in other studies, that we're to be in fellowship with one another. We're not to forsake the gathering together of other believers to encourage each other in good works and good deeds. So when we're feeling overwhelmed and stressed, we're not to give in to what the enemy's telling us, that we're all alone. 
We should spend time with other believers. We should turn to God in prayer and spend time with other believers. The next thing is sing songs of worship. So for this, we'll go to 2 Samuel chapter 22, verses 2 through 7, which is the same as you read in Psalms chapter 18, verses 1 through 6. So, but we're going to read it from 2 Samuel chapter 22. And there's a reason that we made sure to relate it back to Psalms, and we'll get to that here in a few minutes. So 2 Samuel, we'll just read chapter 22, we'll read verses 1 through 7. So this is David's song of praise, and this is also found in Psalm chapter 18. David sang this song to the Lord on the day the Lord rescued him from all his enemies and from Saul. He sang, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me in my place for safety, my place of safety. He is my refuge, my savior, the one who saves me from violence. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise and he saved me from my enemies. The waves of death overwhelmed me. Floods of destruction swept over me. The grave wrapped its ropes around me. Death laid a trap in my path. But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I cried out to God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry reached his ears. So this, while it sounds like a verse I'm reading, which are verses I'm reading, this was a song. Um, much like the praise songs that we just sang here a few minutes ago. So when I'm overwhelmed, when David was overwhelmed, um, many times he would write these songs. And that's what a lot of the psalms are. They're songs that David had written. And many other people had written them too, but they were meant to be sung. They were meant to be to a melody. So when we're reading all these different areas through the book of Psalm, these are all songs that have been written. So when we're overwhelmed, when we're stressed, what can we do? We can turn to God in praise. We can turn to him in worship, in songs of worship. We can sing to him. And yes, this makes a difference in our lives. When you're driving down the road and you're in this moment, like we just read about in the last psalm, where David is feeling all alone. Everyone has abandoned me. No one understands what I'm going through. No one cares what I'm going through. We've learned that God cares, but he's singing that in a psalm. And in a song, he's turning to God in worship and in praise. And yes, we can do the same thing. We can turn to God in worship and in praise, and it changes our perspective. It gets our eyes off of ourselves and puts them on God. So when we turn to him in worship and praise, we're putting our eyes and our perspective where they belong. And it changes our outlook. It changes how we feel. And while you can stop singing, and that over feeling of being overwhelmed and and anxiety comes back, 
the moment you start singing again, the moment you get your eyes off of yourself, it tends to go away. So does that mean that we should be singing praise songs all day long? Probably, especially when we're low, when we're going through hard times, when we're um, struggling with the cares and the worries of life, which are real, but when we cast them on God, when we cast them to him, when we say, God, I can't handle this. This is too big for me. Can you take this? He does each and every time. And many times, the best way to get our eyes off of ourselves and off of our immediate problems is to praise him, to worship him, to focus on him. And that's what worship songs do. They focus on him. They um, worship him. They give him the right place in our lives, which is at the top, the highest priority. So the other thing we can do when we're overwhelmed is we can spend time communicating with God. We can spend time in prayer. And you've seen that in in these Psalms we've read so far. Oftentimes David is coming to God in prayer. He's coming to God in song, but he's also coming to God in prayer. Let's go to Psalm 61. Psalm 61, verses 1 through 5. So Psalm 61, verses 1 through 5. This is David writing again. This is a song that he's singing. This is a prayer that he's written. Um, And it says, O God... Listen to my cry. Hear my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I cry to you for help. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the towering rock of safety. For you are my safe refuge, a fortress where my enemies cannot reach me. Let me live forever in your sanctuary, safe beneath the shelter of your wings. For you have heard my vows, O God. You have given me an inheritance reserved for those who fear your name. So David here is coming to God in prayer. He's crying out to him, saying, God, I feel like I'm at the ends of the earth. I'm far away from everything. No one cares about me. No one is concerned about me. I'm all alone, but I'm coming to you, and I'm asking you for help. My heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to this rock of safety. Lead me to this safe refuge. Lead me to the fortress where my enemies can't reach me. Protect me from my enemies. Lead me and guide me. That's what David's asking for. So David's coming to God, asking him for um, safety, for refuge, for that leading and guiding in his life. We read this um, in the very first Psalm in Psalm 103 that we went to today, that when we're overwhelmed, David was looking for God to lead him and guide him. And that's what he was calling for. And he's doing the same thing here. He's saying, God, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know which way to turn. Lead me and guide me. Show me the safe place to get away from my enemies, to protect me from them. And God does. The next area we'll look at is this idea of faith over fear. So we'll go to Psalm 65.
So we've been over that we should cast all of our cares, all of our anxieties, all of our worries, everything we have, we should cast it to Jesus. Let him have it. This is all bigger than me. I really am not in control of anything in my life. And so he, I can trust that as a believer, he is. And that he will work things, even when they seem overwhelmingly, he will work things for good in my life. So there's a verse that talks about God didn't give us a spirit of fear. Um, and sometimes I think that's taken out of context. While I have, when we climb up high, like on a batch plant or something, and you're, you know, 100 feet up in the air, I have a fear of falling. And that's a very normal, legitimate fear. That's a good fear to have. If I'm up there with no fall protection because I have no fear, that's pretty foolish, right? So not all fears are bad. So while I have this fear of falling, I don't let it paralyze me. I don't let it um, immobilize me from doing whatever I've been asked to do. But I do it safely. I tie, I'm tied off, right? I'm secured, right? So, but a fear of, of falling or a fear of heights um, is a good fear to have. But not all fears. Fears can paralyze us, right? Fears can make us ineffective in whatever God's asked us to do. Fears can um, isolate us. Our fears can take us away from other believers. And that's very important that when we're going through these times of overwhelmed anxieties are high, worries are high, our fears are heightened, that we spend time with other believers. We spend time with other people who are going to encourage us and strengthen us um, to walk with God, to turn to him in praise and worship in prayer. So while there is a verse that talks about that God didn't give us a spirit of fear, not all fears are bad for us to have. But we shouldn't let fears control our life. We should trust in God. Um, and we should practically walk through them, right? Some fears are good. Some fears are completely from the enemy. So, Psalm 65, verses 1 through 5. What mighty praise, O God, belongs to you in Zion. We will fulfill our vows to you. For our answer... For you answer our prayers, all of us must come to you. Though we are overwhelmed by our sins, you forgive them all. What joy for those who choose to bring near. What joy for those you choose to bring near. Those who live in your holy courts. What festivities await us inside your holy temple. Your, you faithfully answer our prayers with awesome deeds. O oh God, our Savior, you are the hope for everyone on earth, even those who sail on distant seas. So, the God that we serve is bigger than all of that. The God that we serve answers all of our prayers. He always hears us, that we can come to him Though we are overwhelmed by our sins, he forgives them all. And this fear that God would never forgive us for this or that, or God couldn't love us that much, that's not a legitimate fear. That's not a real fear. That's a lie from the enemy. It's not this real fear like this fear of falling. It's a, a completely false fear. Does that make sense? 
that God will forgive us for all of our sins. And we've been over that in almost every single one of the Psalms that we've been through today. It talks how God will forgive us for all of our sins. So this fear that God won't forgive us or can't love us that much or not after what I've done or the life I've lived is not true. It's a false fear. Does that make sense? So it's important that we don't give in to the false fears. There are real fears, and those are okay to to have in our lives. Those protect us at times. But the false fears we should never give in to. And the false fears, you can tell, is this a real fear or a false fear? Look through the Bible. If it's a, a fear that God won't forgive me for my sins, then that's a false fear because the Bible speaks over and over and over again that God will forgive us for all of our sins. And we've been over this. There is only one unforgivable sin, and the Bible speaks of it, and that's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And we went through... Well, what is the Holy Spirit's role? The Holy Spirit's first role is convict us of our sin, singular, in the Bible. Well, I don't know about you, but I had more than one sin when I came to know Jesus. I had multiple sins. But what the Bible's saying in that particular case, that the Holy Spirit's job is to convict us of our sin, singular. Our first sin is our unbelief in Jesus. And so it's first things first. We need to ask Jesus into our lives before we can move on, right? We need to come to him the way that he tells us to. So our first sin that the Holy Spirit convicts us of is our unbelief in Jesus, and that's the only unforgivable sin. After that, there is no unforgivable sin. Because our unbelief in Jesus, our choosing to reject him, the Holy Spirit is leading us and guiding us and pointing us to Jesus, that he is our Savior, that he is our God, that he is our protector. And when we choose to tell the Holy Spirit, no, you're wrong, I don't need Jesus to have salvation, then we're calling the Holy Spirit a liar. And that's what that blasphemy is. We're calling God a liar. So that's the only unforgivable sin. Every other sin is forgivable. And the Bible says it over and over and over again. So we'll continue on and we'll go to Psalm chapter 1. So, spending time in God's Word. When we're stressed, when we're overwhelmed, we can spend time in God's Word. And what does that do? It puts our perspective, just like our singing and our praise and our worship, takes our eyes and our focus off of us, off of our current situation, and puts them on to God. Because we really aren't in control of our current situation or any other situation in our lives. But we can trust that God is. When we've asked Him into our lives, that He will do what He says. And what he says is that he will work all things for good, Romans eight twenty eight, for those who believe in him, right? So while it's not all good in our life, he will work it for good somehow, some way. So when we're stressed, when we're overwhelmed, when anxieties are high, worries are high, what can we do? We can turn to God's word. And we'll take a look at Psalm chapter 1. And this is all of... of one through six is the entire chapter. So this is, if I'm short on time in the mornings and I'm running out the door, but I want to make sure I've read something out of God's word before I start my day to put my life into perspective, this is a great one for me to read. Psalm chapter one. It's six verses. It doesn't take me very long to read it. And it puts things into perspective. So Psalm chapter one, verse one. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners 
or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. So the law of the Lord is, is God's work. So what joy for those who delight in, in the Bible, in God's word, meditating on it day and night, reading it, thinking through it, applying it to our lives day and night. Continuing on here in verse 3. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. So while God has given us a stark contrast between walking and spending time with those who do wicked, um, who are mocking others, or we can spend time delighting in the laws of the Lord, delighting in God's word, meditating on it day and night, reading it, thinking about it, applying it to our lives. When we do that, we're like trees planted by a riverbank that bear fruit each season. And that's important because trees don't bear fruit each season. You think of the seasons we have, winter, fall, spring, summer. When do trees or plants bear fruit? Maybe in the spring and summer, but not necessarily in the fall and definitely not in the winter, right? But these trees bear fruit in all seasons. So even the tough seasons, even the the dry seasons in our life, these trees bear fruit. And that's what God is saying. When we spend time in his word, when we focus on him and who he is, that even when we go through these tough times, we can still bear fruit in these dry seasons. In these seasons where most times people don't bear fruit. So when we can go through extremely hard times and tough times, and still be fruitful, still point people, be a light and a witness to others. That's what God's talking about here. And it starts off with spending time in his word, meditating on it day and night. So we'll continue on in verse 4. But not the wicked, they are like worthless chaff, scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. So the worthless chaff, I don't know, that seems like a common thing. I understand what that is. Dad probably understands what that is. But for those of you who don't understand, if you've ever gone to the wheat harvest, the combines separate the wheat from the, from the stalks. And oftentimes there's this coating around the wheat, this like thin paper-like coating. It's called chaff. And this chaff is very light and it's worthless. It's not valuable for anything. And you can put the, the wheat in your hand and you can blow the chaff away, right? So when it talks about worthless chaff being scattered by the wind, that's what it's talking about. God gives us very vivid examples to um, mostly to farming. Agriculture, I think, was a big thing for God. He talks a lot about animals, right? And about um, how important they are to him and what they, um, how he relates them into our lives. But he also talks a lot about farming and about um, grains and, and different things and relates that. And what he's really doing is he's meeting the people right where they're at. He had lots of farming, lots of agriculture back then. And he's meeting the people. He's explaining to them in a way that they could understand. So this worthless chaff is this paper-like thing that's covering the kernels of wheat. And that it gets blown away. And it's worth nothing. So that's what the wicked are like. They're like worthless chaff. 
They're scattered by the wind. The wind blows whatever direction and they follow, right? They follow the crowds of what everyone else is doing. So you can always tell too that if everyone else is doing it, that might not be the best thing to do. That might not be what God's called you to do. So, and the Lord watches over the path of the godly. Again, he's giving us that promise. And he's watching over the path that we've taken, the path that he's leading us down. Does that mean that he can lead us into storms in our lives? And that is, yes, absolutely. We receive that in the New Testament where Jesus sends his disciples into storms. But in the midst of the storm, he comes walking on the water to meet them. He's always there with them, never leaves them alone. So in God's word, can we find great comfort? Absolutely. Can we find great truths? Absolutely. But only when we choose to spend time in it. Only when we choose to read it for ourselves. So, don't listen to what I say, but read it for yourself. And test whatever I tell you. If I say something that the Bible says this and means this, well, go read it for yourself and see if you come to the same conclusion. Right? That's always very important. So, last... Well, getting close to the end here. Everything we've been through so far is all in the book of Psalms. So when we're overwhelmed, anxiety's kicked in, the worries of life have kicked in, where's a great place to go? I would say to you, the book of Psalm. The book of Psalm is praise and worship songs, there's prayers, um, is things that have been written down mostly by David, but... David, in the, his deepest depressions, um, during the roughest seasons of his life, is when he's written a lot of these. So if you want something that's real, that's authentic, that um, can speak to you, the book of Psalm is definitely one of those places. But it's not just all worries and anxieties. David also writes many prayers and praises um, of victories when... Things have gone well in his life. You also get to read about these in here. And, and many of the songs that he wrote were victory songs. And that victory is, only comes through the work that Jesus has done in his life and in ours. So, but we do want to talk about comfort. The, the Bible says that the God that we serve is the God of all comfort. And we'll find that in 2 Corinthians Sorry, chapter 1. Sorry, I don't understand. <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 1. So 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. So 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 3, May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. I am always, I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given you. Now that you belong to Christ Jesus. Through him, God has enriched your church in every way with all your eloquent words and all the knowledge this confirms what i told you about christ is true oh wait i'm in first Corinthians. let me go to second corinthians that might make more sense 
I did two. I did two for a second. Monday. It's because Siri messed you up. It's, yeah, Siri did mess me up. So Second Corinthians chapter one, verse three. For all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father, and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. And when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. So here Paul's writing to the Corinthians, and he talks about God being the source of all comfort. That God comforts us in all of our troubles. Not just some, but all. He's the source of all comfort, right? So any comfort that we have comes from God, even if it is from another person. We found comfort in another person who has come alongside of us in our time of trouble. That comfort came from God, right? That God is able to comfort us and that when God comforts us, we should help to comfort others, right? And oftentimes it's just listening to what others are going through, listening to what they have to say, listening to what is bothering them. Oftentimes that's the comfort that we can provide is a listening ear. Not necessarily to advise, but to just listen. And in other ways, yes, we can comfort them, um, come alongside them. We can patiently um, endure with them and advise them on, on how, to, um, how to navigate through some of their troubles and what God has done in our own lives. Um, oftentimes what God has done in our lives is, is he's led us through very tough times and our witnesses that we're to be a light and a witness to God. And oftentimes the tough times that we've gone through that God has led us through, we can explain that to others and not necessarily that that relates directly to what they're going through, but the God that was able to guide us through our difficult situations is the same God that can guide others through theirs. So the important thing though, is that God, the God we serve, Father, Son, Holy Spirit is the source of all comfort and that he comforts us in all of our troubles, right? So when we're overwhelmed, when we feel anxiety come on, um, when we're, well, let's continue on here in verse eight because Paul's going to explain it a little bit better. So, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, that the trouble we went through in the province of Asia, we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. So, God is the source of all comfort, and we can rely on God for everything. So, continue on here in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 8. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. 
and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God, who raises the dead. He did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. And you are helping us by praying for us. And then many people will give thanks to God, will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. So, Paul says that he was overwhelmed beyond their ability to endure. They couldn't endure anymore. What the situation they were in was debilitating. They thought that they would die. They didn't expect to live through it. But what they really learned was they stopped relying on themselves. They learned to rely only on God. Everything that they had, they relied on God for. They quit relying on themselves. They quit relying on themselves for their confidence. They quit relying on themselves um, for providing for their families. They quit relying on themselves for what to to speak, um, what to act, which direction to go, where to, um, how to lead. They quit relying on themselves for all of that, and they relied only on God for everything. And that's what Paul's explaining to us here, that God is the God of all comfort, and that we should be relying on him for everything. That the situations that we face are oftentimes beyond us, bigger than us, and we are truly not in control of really anything. We're in control of our own actions, but that's about it. That's where it ends. I can control what I say and do, and I'm always in control of that. Right? I have no excuse. Oh, it's not my fault. You hear that so many times, and it is such, such a lie. It is your fault. It absolutely is. If your actions, you chose to do something, you chose that. That is your fault. There's no getting around that. So I am in control of my actions. I am in control of what I say and what I do. But beyond that, I'm not in control of any other situation. I can't control someone else. I can't control... The things that have happened, um, the things that are happening around me. So I must rely on God and only on God. And that when I stop relying on myself, when I stop trusting in myself for whatever that is, that I have to do this or that and truly rely on God for everything, that's when I'm set free from all these worries and struggles and anxieties um, in this life. So... One more area we'll go to is where does my strength come from? So Paul says we're to rely on God for everything. Well, one of the places we rely on God is our strength. We get that in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. So starting here in verse 11, Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. 
So this is Paul that's writing to the church in Philippi, and he's saying that he was never in need. He always had, God always provided for him, and he learned to be content with whatever he had. Um, Continuing on here in verse 12, I know how to live on almost nothing, or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have, you have done well. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulties. So, Paul is saying that he's lived on little. He's lived on lots. That God has always provided for him. He's never been in need. And I think that's important to understand. When you're a believer, when you've asked Jesus into your life, that never are you in need, but God will provide. And sometimes it's in abundance and sometimes it's with little. But whatever the situation was, Paul was content because he learned that whether he had little or lot, whether his stomach was full or empty, that he can do everything through Christ who strengthens him. And that's important. So you can endure through every situation, not because of our own strength, right? Not because of our own um knowledge or understanding or perseverance but we can do everything through christ who strengthens us through jesus who paid the penalty for our sins that's how we can truly be set free from this feeling of overwhelming this feeling of anxiety that grips us this feeling of fears that are debilitating to us we can be set free through jesus and his work in his work on the cross. When he went to the cross, it is so important that he shed his blood for us, that he defeated sin, that we're no longer a slave to sin. He defeated death. We no longer have a fear of death. For as believers, when we die, we spend, we, head, we are headed to heaven and we spend eternity with God in paradise, right? So there is no fear of that for those who believe in Jesus. So also, where does my strength come from? We'll go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Not 1 Corinthians, but 2 Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verses 5 through 10. So 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 5. That experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weaknesses. If I wanted to boast, I would be, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. Even though I have received such wonderful revelation from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me, to keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. 
My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness, so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness. And in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So, our strength comes from Jesus, right? We just ran over that in Philippians. But here, Paul talks about these thorns in his flesh. um, These weaknesses that he has. And for me, oftentimes I think of Moses. Moses leading the Egyptians out of Egypt. And God calls him to do that. And what does Moses say? Oh God, I can't. I'm not a very good speaker, right? Well, that would be a weakness that Moses perceived in his life. And I would say to you that that's something similar to what Paul is speaking about here. Paul has this weakness. And then while Moses is probably correct that he wasn't a very good speaker, or Paul at this point in his life has this weakness in his life, what does God do? God is going to use that to that weakness to show that he is going to work through your life. So in your weaknesses, in all of our weaknesses, in our hardships, in the troubles that we face, God uses that to show how he is going to do that work in our life, that he will work through you, that he will lead you and guide you, even in the troubled times, that everything we have comes from him, even in our weakest moments, even in our weakest um, our weakest or our character flaws that we perceive, God is able to work through those, right? So when we have these ideas that we're not good at this or that or the other, um, it's not true and it's not from God. So I think here, lastly, yeah, lastly, we're going to go to 1 John chapter 4. First John chapter four, verses seven through twenty-one. So not the Gospel of John, but First John. The John closest to Revelation. Yeah, this is John's at the back of the Bible. First John. First yeah. Not second John, first John. There is no chapter four in second John. This came up with the men's study, the last men's study, so the women will get to go through this too. But this is important. So now that we've moved past our feeling of overwhelm, moved past our anxieties, we've moved past our fears and our doubts and our unbelief, and we've done that through worshiping God in song and in praise, and spending time in his word, deciding what is true and what is false um, in our lives, what fears are true and what fears are false in our lives, that we've learned that we need to stop relying on ourselves, that we rely on God for everything, 
for everything we rely on God. That our strength comes from Jesus, from him and him alone. That he can do all things through us. That we can do all things through him. That everything we have is because of him. And it all is summed up here in the end. In this end verse, this last verse. And it all is based around what everything God does is based around. And that is love. And love is not a feeling. Love is an action. Love is denying ourselves, picking up our cross and serving others. Denying ourselves, picking up our cross and following Jesus. Right? Love is choosing to put our needs second and someone else's needs first. Whether that's God to serve God, whether that's to serve our spouse, to serve our family, whatever that is, that's what love is. Love is denying ourselves and serving others. So, here, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. So that's important. Love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And this word love here in the New Testament is translated into the Greek word agape. And while the English language has watered down the word love, because I can say I love my wife and I love my pickup truck and I love, well, I used to say football, but I really don't love football anymore. I love concrete. I better not love them all the same, right? If I love my wife the same as I love my pickup, that's probably not very good, right? So the ing- yeah. <laughs> so the, the English language has watered down this word love. But the way that God is speaking of love is this agape love, this self-sacrificing love, this love that Jesus had when he willingly went to the cross, when he willingly sacrificed his own life, his own body, for us. That's what God is speaking of is love. So when I willingly am willing to sacrifice my own self, maybe not in a literal sense for my wife. Well, I probably better do that too, huh? (laughs) Am I willing to sacrifice? I just want to come home. I just got home from work and I just want to relax. Am I willing to sacrifice that with helping her make dinner or whatever that is? That's what love is. Love is not a feeling. And that's not the love that God is talking about here. And it's important to understand that. God is love. God is self-sacrificing. God sacrifices of himself to serve us. God sacrificed of his own son, his one and only son, to to die in our place. So we'll continue on 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. God showed us how much... He loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. 
So when we ask Jesus into our lives, that's a literal thing. God comes into our lives and lives in us. When the Bible talks about us, our bodies being a temple, many people take that out of context. So I should be careful what I eat. And yes, you should be careful what you eat. Or I should work out a lot and my body should be a temple. Look at me. No, no, no. That's not what the Bible is talking about at all. When the Bible says your body is a temple, the temple is where God lived. In the Old Testament, they had a physical building and God lived there. Not just there. He's omnipresent. He lived everywhere. But God lived in this temple, right? So that way the nation of Israel had a place to go where they could go and worship God because there were many other temples. And he was relating to them at their time in the, in the time that they lived in. So while God says that our body is a temple, it's because God is living in us, just like God lived in the temple for the nation of Egypt um, during this time. God lives in us. So when we live in God, when we walk with God, right, we're not, it's not this path where we're sidestepping. We're either walking with him or we're walking away from him. There is no in between. When we live in him, we're walking with him, he lives in us. We've asked him into our lives. He never leaves us or abandons us. We'll continue on here in verse 14. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his own Son to be the Savior of the world. All who confess that Jesus is the Son of God and have God living in them and they live in God. So when we confess that Jesus is the Son of God, that we have God living in us and that we are living in God. We are walking with him. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we are not fully experienced We have not fully experienced his love. We love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see. How can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their Christian brother and sister. So, perfect love expels all fear. And if we're afraid of something, if we're afraid of judgment, it's because our lives aren't living that walk with Jesus. That we're not completely walking with him. And that if we have that fear, then we should repent, right? We should ask God for forgiveness, for whatever that sin is, but then we should do that about face, turn and walk the other way in the opposite of way we've been walking. That when we do that, when we truly live this life um, that God's called us to live, that expels all fear. Um, For me, I can think of that when I became a Christian, 
one of the greatest things that happened was I quit looking over my shoulder. I quit waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? I quit living this life um, that I wasn't supposed to be living. And that was the greatest, many great feelings, but that was one of the greatest feelings was no more looking over my shoulder. What I did in the past was going to catch up to me. Yes, there are consequences for our actions. Um, but as we read today, God does not always punish us for all of our sins. So oftentimes when things are going wrong in life, and we've read over this today too, that's not because of our sins necessarily. It could be, but not always. Sometimes bad things just happen to us, right? Sometimes tough situations we go through. And why would God allow us to go through that? Why would God send us into the storm like he sent his, his disciples into the storm and comes walking on the water to strengthen their faith? So why does God send us into these storms? To strengthen our faith in him, to quit relying on ourselves and to trust and rely in him. So when I am overwhelmed, what I can do is, is I can cast all my cares upon Jesus. Because he gets me and he cares about me. He's been through whatever it is I'm going through. He's already been through it. You think of his life on the cross and what he went through. Being abandoned by all of his disciples. Being falsely accused, falsely imprisoned, and falsely murdered. Right? He understands what we're going through. And then I can continue to walk in close fellowship with God. But to walk in close fellowship with God or continue to, I have to receive Jesus into my life first. First things first. Once I've done that, I can continue to walk with God. I can spend time with other believers. That's important. Don't isolate yourself. Spend time with other believers. Not just others, but other believers. And let the conversation be focused on what God is doing in your life and in their life. And encourage each other in good works and good deeds. I can sing songs of praise to God. I can worship Him. Right. I can get my eyes off of myself. And put my eyes where they belong. Put my focus where it belongs. Not on this earthly life, but on my eternal life with him. I can cry out to God in prayer. And he will answer me every single time. I can put my faith in God and in his word. His word is filled with promises for my life. Promises that overcome the fears that I am facing. And I can spend time in God's word um, in encouragement. In the book of Psalm, right? So many real life things that David wrote. Real raw emotions that David writes. And many of the other psalmists write during that time. But David writes a lot of them. And David is very real. When he was angry and he says, Go and break their teeth in. You know, that's how he wants his enemies to be treated. God is not using that verse to say that that's appropriate. That's just David being real in the emotions that he's feeling at that time. And he's turning... And he's taking those emotions to God, which is always appropriate. When I have this anger, this fear, this anxiety, and I take it to God, that is always an appropriate reaction. So, and I can choose to believe that everything comes from God. My strength, my comfort, my confidence, my patience, my wisdom, my knowledge, my understanding, my endurance, my courage, my everything. The list goes on. It all comes from Jesus. Through Jesus he chooses to work through me. Not that he needs me. He could accomplish all that he wants to accomplish without me. But he chooses to work through me. And he chooses to work through each one of us when we're willing to ask him to, one, come into our lives. And two, to use us in the whatever way he wants to use us. And when we do, it's amazing work. Not that we aren't overcome and have um, 
overwhelming thoughts and fears and desires come up, but we can always take this route and turn them over to God. Take them to God. Cast them to Him. He cares about all that we do and all that we go through. And with that, that's where we end today. Do you have any questions? You have a comment? Okay. Yeah. your comment do you have any questions no. did it all make sense to you yeah. Yeah. I have verses on here you have, you have verses in there that I read oh. While we're reading. oh like extra verses like these are other verses that relate to the verse we're reading does that help you it explains like God's word like it all connects it all relates it's pretty amazing while men may have written it down there's no way that they thought of it up in their own heads. Only God could have put it together the way he did. Do you have any comments? That's good. Questions? It all makes sense? No, it's good for today. Really good. Like the timing was just right? The timing's always, <laughs> always right. And it's always amazing how that works. What about you, Kylie? You're never overwhelmed, right? No. No? What about the phrase, it's not my fault? She does that so much. What about you? So do I. Yeah. Are, are, you, are you responsible for your own actions? When you said that yesterday, I was just thinking about yesterday, when Kylie back said it to me, stop. When Kylie back said it to me, um, you you can't control what somebody else does can you focus on your own actions well i don't think i remember one time i said that <laughs> i don't <laughs> i don't oh my we better pray we better ask god to forgive you for saying that i just don't remember <laughs> Is it, any other questions or should we pray okay you ready Dear Father, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for this time to come together to worship you, to learn more about you, your ways, your will, the plans that you have for our lives, the, how you lead us and guide us um, through this life. And this life here on earth is not easy, is not always fun, um, but your word has an answer for every situation that we could possibly go through. We can read about it first in your word, how to handle that, what to do, which direction to turn. You lead us and guide us in that way. You speak to us in many different ways, through a Bible study like this, through um, coffee with other believers when the conversation is focused on you. You can speak to us in that way. You can speak to us through um, many ways. But I'm always 
mindful that I want to give you as many opportunities to speak to me as you possibly can. And that I ask that you would just continue to speak to each one of us here in this room in many different ways. That we would open up those avenues, those doors for you to use us, to lead us, to guide us, to speak to us. I ask that you would um, continue to bring healing for um, Pam. That you would guide the doctors. That you would just do a work a miraculous work that only you can do. You would provide Scott and Pam with comfort during this time. You would continue to bring healing to my mom. You would guide the doctors in their treatment plan, whatever that is moving forward, or that you would just take away the, the pain, that you would heal that completely. Lord, I ask you to watch over Kathy. You would give the doctors wisdom um, in their treatment. You would watch over Christina and you would bring healing to her heart. You would guide the doctors for wisdom and treatment plan there. You would watch over and bring healing to Matt's knees. You would guide Joey in the treatment for his knee. You would just give him peace with whatever decisions he needs to make. You would watch over the Coffee family, especially this week. You would grant them patience. You would give them wisdom. You would give them peace. You would give them forgiveness. You would just be with them. You would watch over Greg today. You would guide him. And you would do a work that only you can do. Lord, I just ask you would watch over all those with the PTSD, the EMDR counseling, that you would give them the strength to endure through it all. I ask you to watch over Ming. You would guide him. You would give him strength and wisdom, um, patience and endurance. You would give each one of us the right words to speak to um, everyone we encounter this week, that we would be a light and a witness to you, that you would give us a double portion of patience and wisdom that can only come from you. You'd watch over the sheriff's department, the police department, you would protect them physically, protect them spiritually, protect their families. You would guide us to a church that we could come alongside wherever that is. Um, in, in the South Sudan, the Uganda area, um, and that you would watch over our school, that you would protect it, that you would lead it, you would guide it. Lord, I just ask for all these things in your name, that you would encourage us this week in your word, encourage us through songs of praise, that you would encourage us through spending time with other believers. It's in Jesus' name I pray all these things. Amen. Amen.